Well, hello. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Elise and John Show. If you're enjoying our show, or if there's something you want to hear us talk about, let us know on Instagram or Facebook at Elise and John Show. On this episode, we talk about and question the origins of the upcoming holidays and how it feels to approach the holiday season in 2020. We also get into how friendships have evolved this year and how we can continue to grow after a year filled with revelation and challenge. And of course, because we can't help that improv is actually in our bones, we share experiences we've had as actors and performers in predominantly white industry spaces. Buckle up, folks. It's The Elise and John Show. Less than a month, less than a month for 2020 to come to a close. Ooh, less than one month. Here we go. On our way back. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know. I have. I don't, what does anything mean anymore? <laughs> Why? It means it means we can get closer to maybe some good stuff like a vaccine. Oh, that would be nice. People are starting to get their Christmas trees. <laughs> they got their Christmas yeah. trees. They're like, it's August. Are they going to start selling Christmas trees yet? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah, ready to get it. some joy, to some some uh, materialized joy in their lives. Oh, they love it. We love a Christmas. Oh, we love Santa. Oh, we love it. We love our Mariah Carey album. Every year we have our, oh, man. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, man. It shit hits when you are... When you are in a space where you may have received some good things, you know, this mm-hmm. year, and you listen to a, a Christmas song or two, this shit is, that shit, this shit, yeah. oh, it means way more this year when you listen <laughs> to them songs. You'd be like, damn, fuck, you try to grieve all the people, like, thinking about the importance of, yeah. oh, uh. oh, that's interesting. So what about the permission to feel joy? Like, uh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Permission to feel joy in the midst of all of all of what's going on. Yeah. I'd be like, um, can y'all carolers come back another Christmas? This is not the year. Thank y'all so much. But I don't know if I can do this. Or you know what? Stay here. I'm going to smile and laugh. But no one take pictures of me and post it online. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> These no carolers are here. Me. Two thumbs down. These carolers are not fun for me. Mm-mm. <laughs> Do you have any holiday stories that you like that are your favorite, like Christmas or, you know, any, do you have any memories where you're like, man, that, that was a, that was a good Christmas. That's a great question. I would, you know, I can't think of one in particular. All I see is the image of just like being with my family at, with my niece and nephew acting like uh, screaming banshees and (laughs) being in my dad's backyard as if it's like we're in Cuba. It's just so like weird jungle people. It's <laughs> I see it more more like that than a specific Yeah. It's just the feeling of being there, I think is what. Yeah. And I haven't seen my family in a year. This pandemic is nuts. Like first time uh, ever. Wow. So, yeah, I think that I think that that's what it is. Just mm-hmm. the, the memory of Oh my god, that's heartbreaking. Being with family. That's yeah. so heartbreaking. This no oh man, I keep saying I'm trying not to make this a pandemic sad show, but that's the other part to this onion yeah. is the lack of contact with family that people have mm-hmm. had. They're missing their family. This is the time of year where you and your family get together, reconnect, 
And yeah. people, they just, they can't do that. Some of them have lost family members and they will never get to do that. Um, some of them are in a position where family members are either con- contracted the virus and they're just on pins and needles waiting to see the outcome. Yeah. That's the other parts of this whole thing that we, we, you know, it's convenient for a lot of us who may not have the virus right now or don't know somebody at the moment in their immediate family to just turn it off. But the virus doesn't turn off. And then Mm -hmm. the holidays just shores up the fact that you are not with your loved ones. And this is why. And this Mariah Carey is not about to slap like that. (laughs) It's not gonna. It's not gonna hit the way it used to. It's not gonna hit the same. <laughs> for some of you, you're gonna hate it, and for some of you, it's gonna be way more emotional than you ever thought. Yeah, right. It's just gonna make you sob. Like, <laughs> if I hear this show one more time, <laughs> so I'm starting to be almost weary of every holiday, especially after having just passed Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? Like I ever this Thanksgiving, I went through so much. Like I had a lot of anger just about Thanksgiving in general and wanting to. And I was angry about the fact that I was not angry as this angry before about Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah. Like disappointed in myself, disappointed in education systems. I'm now wondering now I'm just everything is sketched to me. Like, but who who was who was killed on Christmas? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. What happened on Christmas? My dudes. <laughs> Like now I'm just sketch uh-huh. of, of everything, yeah. and I'm like questioning <laughs> all of the traditions. And those reindeers was really reindeers, or was they slaves, huh? Or was yeah. they Native Americans? What, what <laughs> does reindeer mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh huh. That's exactly right. Elves. Elves. elves exactly. Working for free. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little children, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Were they children? Oh, they weren't children. Oh, they were they were little people, weren't they? Oh Rude. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, all of it. Yeah, you're just suspicious. I like that other part too, man. Like, oh, I'm mad that I wasn't even aware. How, man, damn it. And it's not just not aware. Like we were aware. I w- I was kind of aware. I just wasn't for whatever reason, for whatever selfish reasons, mad about it or wasn't willing to like look into it, right? Like I asked my best friend the other day, like this whole year, every single time I'm with my friends, we're talking about such huge things. So I asked her, I said, Jessenia, what were we talking about before this year? Like, what the hell were we talking about? And she's like, at least nothing. We were just selfish assholes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, fuck. That's such a good point. What the hell? Before this year, a lot of friend groups, don't matter what color, y'all were girls HBO. Y'all were the show (laughs) Girls on HBO. Before this year, everybody was out here just entitled relative to this year. Relative (laughs) to girls. (laughs) Y'all were the show Girls on HBO. That's and now and now what are we? What show are we? Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. It's 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 all of the shows. It's it's every it's every movie directed by a black person or TV show directed by. We're all of those. We're future. I don't know. I don't know. Now we're um one day at a time. The Latinx <laughs> version. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> step by step, we are trying our best. <laughs> to figure it out like we didn't we didn't our friendships that we had before are they just hit, hit different or some of them have ended a lot of friendships True. have ended yeah. um yes yeah. this, this has really been telling 
So for me, I've never really... Okay, well, I'll say this. I'll say uh, working in a bunch of white-led uh, projects or white groups in improv mm-hmm. is very common. It is common for me to be in spaces where you then become friends with people. So each like project or show, whatever, becomes not just like a project or show, you become a little friendship uh, circle, a friend group. Yeah. And it's just like, it becomes tiny little um, microcosms of French, like friend circle groups outside of improv, like how it is when when you are the only one of color in your friendship group. That's mm-hmm. how it feels when you're a person of color in improv all the time on repeat because the way the numbers add up and boy, boy, it just hits different this year. Even that experience looking at it, it used to be in those like situations and people say some weird stuff or da 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 and I'd have to bring up facts and then people would either take it they deal with the like feeling defensiveness white mm-hmm. people would and yeah, or giggle through it or giggle through it right yeah the person of color in an all-white improv group is a way different experience now than they did a year or two ago a year or two ago for sure they were just like aware of what's happening and then that person of color had to take account for how much fuck shit has happened during mm-hmm. the time and then they keep score and every person of color has a line and if it gets crossed they will leave the group or what or take action whatever this yeah. year that fucking line is it's there for everybody hair it's hair, it's hair thin. thin his shit is invisible it and is, we're talking about brittle hair like that's a good, very quick to break <laughs> yeah question about this because um this is something i think about often and and you say you talking about this is reminding me about this this question that is just constantly on my mind so now everybody else outside of marginalized communities needs to get educated right where do they like how do we negotiate the balance between us giving them information because they're going to need our our information somehow in order to have any understanding or empathy. That's right. But then at the same time, it's like, it's not my job to teach it to you. So for a, mm. another example that I have about this lately is especially Thanksgiving. Like, I don't have many indigenous people in my life. Mm-hmm. I don't have any indigenous people in my life. I have some people that have, you know, indigenous origins because they got their fucking ancestry report and it's like, oh, you're fucking 2% Native American. <laughs> um, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like <laughs> actual people who are, who are very much ingrained in their indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. And I don't have that in my life. So I'm seeking, especially on Thanksgiving, I was thinking about this so much. I've been Googling online indigenous perspectives on Thanksgiving um where do we how do we negotiate that like it's it's a it's a real question i think a lot of people felt this after the murder of george floyd they really were just calling all every black friend so how do you feel about this and <laughs> some of them wouldn't even call them black they were just like any person of color hey hey you hey yeah. you what yeah. you, hey you where are you from yugoslavia are you mexican are you, are yeah. you mexican? <laughs> mexican can you tell me about black uh black experiences yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's weird. So what do you think about that? How, where do you think oh, man. that lies in? I love that question because what you're talking about is where we all need to get to, which is uh, education and, and empathy 
are one in one, I believe. They go hand in hand. And the whole goal, in my opinion, while we're here on this earth, the whole goal, if anybody's like wondering, what's the goal of this whole thing? <laughs> I have, I think it just to me comes down to love and understanding slash education. That's it. That's all. That's all that I think the whole main point is. That's what I feel like mm-hmm. we're just all striving to. And that question is rooted in that. It's in, it's it's about love for your fellow human, your brothers mm-hmm. and sisters, your siblings. You want to just you want to be there because you love them. There's no other reason why you care to want to yeah. speak speak up and in or educate yourself about it. Your your black brothers sisters, your your Latinx brothers sisters, your Asian brothers and sisters, wherever they're from, they're your brothers and sisters, and it takes that turn, and that's where it comes from. The lack of representation and the just disproportionate, the horrible, the just deplorable amount of American history that has been taught, ugh, garbage. Mm-hmm. It has been. Look, let's face it. Everybody now has has the right to look at one another and go, hey, uh, we didn't get a proper education uh, growing up. Yeah. And we can all give us, you know, a little bit of a break, give ourselves a break. But this work that you're talking about, man, that's to seek out black or native or indigenous content creators who are, you know, that's what they do, whether they own a theater. I have a friend, Rihanna, Rihanna Yazzie. She's a, a native theater owner and she's amazing. And, and it's like, she's been doing that for so long and she doesn't need white people to approve and see her art at all. She does mm-hmm. her work for her people. So when you, we talk about like, well, I never grew up with native folks or indigenous folks. Like, you know what I mean? They weren't around your, your yep. neighborhood. They didn't grow up with you. They weren't friends. So you, but I had you one are, native friend as a kid, but it, it, I could just one, and I remember her very distinctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's to say that you are now savvy and aware to know that they they are here. There, there's so mm-hmm. many nations over over five hundred, over five hundred sixty something, you know, different nations. Right, that's cra- like America's a nation. Just over five hundred something Native American nations, indigenous. Yeah. That's you know, like that in itself is is telling. There's more than there's an abundance of folks out there that, that we can get information from who are native native historians mm-hmm. that I that I know that are like creators on TikTok and Instagram that are beautiful. Oh, you see, that's so that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's um and and as you were talking, I started to to process even more. Like until you said native historians, like instead of putting the burden on just anybody we know in an almost egotistical way to be like, I need to make sure that I know this, right? So that I don't mm. do anything wrong. Um, maybe seeking out the people that are are there because their purpose is to do that. Right. Right. So seeking out historians, seeking out um people in communities who are purposely doing the yes. education versus yes. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call John tonight to ask him what he thinks about this when John is just at home like just trying to relax <laughs> right. from his own black experience fucking yes. gaining black experience in this country and on a flip you know what be happening like sometimes we need votes to to we need voters to like come out so they'll go to like 
what was it Arizona this last this last you know when the election was happening mm-hmm. oh my god um, we know that we need to get the, the Arizona vote out and, and especially in these like native communities and I think that you know there's voter suppression happening and we, can can any of us uh, celebrities donate a bunch of like fleet uh, buses and, and all these and the folks in those communities who weren't native were like what First off, what makes you think we have not already been working on this issue? You think we're just sitting yeah. back, allowing them to just like yeah. silence us? No, we have actual things. You just have, it's a few clicks away on the internet. You can get right to the actual uh, plan that we have in place because we have a certain protocol because we know our people. We have to keep them safe. There's like elders who are vulnerable. We can't just be having people come and bust in. <laughs> I don't know where yeah. y'all are from. What, what you about to bring? Your little white COVID cooties, liberal yeah. <laughs> co-op number <laughs> ready. Happy Thanksgiving again to <laughs> yes. us. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like that's infuriating because again, calling John while he's like done with work and being like, hey buddy, wanted to just catch up on this whole race thing. Can you give yeah. me a lowdown on oh, uh, what is this term? Uh, virtual signaling. Okay. Yeah. What is that? Something that I'm thinking about is the boundary setting on the, you know, on the receiver's end. You know, if I call John oh. and I want to ask John, is so John has to be like, look, <laughs> I can't, I can't help you out with this. Do yeah. this, right? So that's, I think, one thing. And the other thing, so my question to you is if you were open, right? Let's say you have a white friend. Okay. No, nope, You have a friend, never. white friend. <laughs> never had one, never seen one. <laughs> Let's say you have a white friend who in the past has, you know, maybe had ignorance or you've been like, well, that was dumb move, but you never really got into it. And this white friend now. Never uh, happened. Never happened before. Again, second thing, never had it. Never experienced it. <laughs> what is racism? Um, the, the This white friend calls you and wants to and wants to engage with you about these topics. Like, what is the thing you want to hear? And what is the thing you don't want to hear? Because for me, I find that often when the questions come to me as a as a Latinx person, often mm-hmm. more as a Cuban person, because they're often wanting to talk about Cuba mm-hmm. and because they have no idea what's happening in Cuba or they think they know what's happening. The moment that they ask me a question, I am just flooded with so many thoughts and emotions that I don't I literally don't have an answer. for. I'm like, I can't even get into this with you without sitting you down for five hours. And are you going to pay me for that? Um, (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. so what do you think? Like, what is the, what is the right way? If you have that kind of trust with John, now don't everybody just start calling John, but if you have that kind of trust, what is the right way to do it? And what's, what's the, you know, yeah, not really. Don't, don't come at me like this way to do it. Does it also depend by on person, on people, on the person. Yeah, I, I want to say it's really a question of man, man, man. Okay, yeah, because it, it, there's so many variables. You know, it, there's mm-hmm. no one swift answer. There's there. Of course. So because there isn't a swift answer, then you, the way my brain likes to do things is goes right to well, what is a constant? What can be something you can depend on and rely on? Which is mm-hmm this notion of unapologetic uh you know in your authenticity like if you are a person of color and you are receiving these questions it is your duty to stand firm in feeling how you feel while being asked and sharing that 
unapologetically. Um, because the question that you ask right now, it is also couched in white fragility to some extent. And it's it's aware. Mm-hmm. The question is aware that whiteness will be fragile and hurt and upset if John says, shut the fuck up, honky. Now's yeah, not the yeah. time. No, I'm, I'm cool with John saying whatever he wants to say. My question is, yeah. what does John feel like when he hears the question from the white person exactly this is what I, this what this if they go hand in hand they have to like if we just okay. if so what john tell me more fe- about that because what john feels when he hears those questions also implies is john nervous about whiteness responding a certain way is he going to have to yes you know Fuck. I mean? got that, it i hear you, you i know? totally hear you yeah so, versus john just feeling totally comfortable being i like, don't fucking ask me that yeah exactly yeah yeah because I'm if with you. you were I'm in cuba you. or if i was in eritrea we're you know what i mean and in these like countries where whiteness is not you absolutely know, that question is irrelevant it is mm-hmm. off the table you're absolutely right i love that i'm so glad that you said this and that yeah. we got into that yeah it's it's that's the fucking that's the dice that's the roll of the dice for white people they just go hey let me see if i can ask elise this question and we'll see how she Mm -hmm. responds and i'll see if i get the info or not but for us it's not a roll of the dice we know that it is a privilege for them to just be able to come up and ask us that Mm -hmm. they get to do that or they get to ignore this issue we don't get to forget we don't get to forget about it so uh my so then then the other question that's why i go back to the constant which is what is what is one thing you can always be sure on for the person of color is for them to be authentic in how they feel and respond accordingly to such things that means for white people then to also have that constant to be able to receive their reaction and allow it to be what it is and not let their re- and learn from that and learn from it and let them react how they need to and if you feel defensive or whatever sorry but i'm not sorry that is just the way it goes you go a lot farther ahead in your journey as a white person to just hurry up and accept that you the feelings of defensiveness is not productive and it's it's not healthy and do what you gotta yeah. do to shake shake that shit off get over that shit that shit you need to overcome that there's other things ahead that totally that totally shifts the paradigm for me because um you know when i am approached as as a latinx or cuban-american woman um i'm often like how do i not do this in a rude way but naturally if it's pissing me off then they need to know it's pissing me off mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, that's yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. I love that too because, sorry, I'm making my chair. Ugh, chair chair noise, chair noises. It's uh, man, 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 man. Okay, so many things, so many thoughts on this. But the other part to it is, even if they receive that information from you and you are happy to share it, the way that they respond according to you giving them that information could be triggering as fuck. So Elise educates me on the history of indigenous people, right? Then I go, well, oh, oh, wow. So that's some really dark stuff, Elise. Why? No. Why? Why? Why'd you got to get all deep? Why they got to be all so like carnage and, and violent? So like, wow. Be thankful, Elise. Wow. And uh, <laughs> I honestly love that white guy voice. That's, yep. 
Oh my gosh, I've never had that white guy in my life, and I don't, I don't, I, I probably, I don't know. At that point, I don't know if I can control my physical reactions to it. <laughs> <laughs> because even in these situations, we have liberal white people, the most progressive, as they say, which right doesn't mean shit. We have had interactions with the most. You know, well-minded, well-intentioned white folks. We all have we, meaning BIPOC folks, where all of a sudden they get all weird and defensive when you just bring up some mm-hmm. factual stuff. I just can't tell you how many times BIPOC folks have walked into a space carrying some information or, or something in the news happened relative to their own experience, and sure. and white people jumping on it and being like. Oh, yeah, that sucks. And them just eating up all the time and talking about some mm-hmm. shit that's kind of related and how they've been through that similarly. Or it, it's it's not enough to just for y'all to get the information, but also like that's why this whole thing has been great for people to just be like, shut up and listen to leaders from that community. That's all you got to do. Just shut up and listen that's to them. That's what they're learn. there for. That's what mm-hmm. they're there for. And it's a question of trust and credibility. It's all of a sudden, like you were talking about earlier, where can I get information about Native's history, Native American now? Mm-hmm. But also in, in that becomes this other question of who can I trust as a source? It, suck, it sucks because it's also like I can even go to Native folk, but people are like, well, which Native folk can I trust? Because I've been so conditioned by this whiteness and white supremacy that I don't even trust other uh, BIPOC folk. I don't even because... Yeah. Because yeah, of white yeah. supremacy, and it's so fucked up. We don't even trust each other in that in that sort of way. I'll even go a step further. We even expect and want for us to play into certain stereotypes or archetypes that white supremacy has laid upon us. So now, when we, yeah. w- when we support each other or learn about history or, and all these other things, we are also battling this other idea that we are seeing them in so if you call john after work and you go man i'm gonna call john and get some information i bet he's gonna cuss me out and then rob me and then shoot dice in front of my house <laughs> sell drugs and then <laughs> rap and make me join his soundcloud <laughs> uh, <whatever. laughs> uh, i bet he's gonna do that you know all these things happen we need to we need to take account for these things at play it's not Otherwise, it would be simple as going to the library, doing some research on it, walking away with a paper and being like, I get it. That's how we are about like, I don't know, the physics of plumbing or, you know, something else (laughs) like, yeah, cool, easy. We can learn it and move on. But damn it, it's way more complicated with white supremacy as like the the impetus and the reasoning for a lot of the horrible Mm stuff. So and I don't got all the answers, but that's just how I feel. Of course. No, and, and we're not supposed to have all the answers because all of us are growing <laughs> in many ways. Um, yeah. So that that also makes me think of all of this, have, asking for the perspectives of non-white communities. We were talking earlier, you and I, before recording about the improv community and yeah. how now... There are theaters and spaces that are like, okay, well, let's bring in someone from a marginalized community. Let's bring a black man. Let's bring a Hispanic man. Let's bring mm-hmm. a, a native woman, right? An indigenous woman into our space. So what about that, right? Like that, that can feel cheap, <laughs> right? On occasion. Yeah. yeah, that is real. It does feel like a... 
like somebody bought votes sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just fill this spot now. Yeah. It'll make us look good. Yeah. I was at Walgreens yesterday. Uh, we have the, the, Mal- the Walgreens, the Walgreens, the Mall of America Walgreens. Um, it has this giant photo of a 1901 like a picture of Walgreens employees working in 1901. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in black and white. And the two employees in the photo are black men. And while I'm getting rung up, I have a little like 17 year old black like boy, young man working. And I was like, I just pointed at the sign. And I was like, hey, look, they've been hiring black folks since 1901. <laughs> huh? 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 Look at that. Yeah, you come from a long line, don't you? Yeah, they got a history of us. And yeah. I just, I just, and he was like, he looked at me, he was like, damn, bro, I didn't even see that this whole time. I didn't even. First of all, ew, uh, Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. Fucking like Walgreens. That's gross. What you did there? Yeah. Oh, I wish I took a photo of that. But, um, yeah, it's like we, BIPOC, are hyper aware every time we see mm-hmm. one of us in situations where we're not, we're not, it's, so we don't, we don't feel comfortable always even just like watching when we see Elise do improv and Elise's improv teams and Elise is the only BIPOC, we go, ooh, I hope that Elise is okay. I, yeah. hope, I hope, I hope they don't exploit Elise. And here's the thing up until now, like Elise has been, uh, one, the only BIPOC individual in many shows, but up until now. I didn't realize how much I was missing. Mm. I was having a great time. I was having a grand old time on yeah. scenes, right? However, I I know that a lot of what I was saying in subtext wasn't caught, right? Or or even I didn't even realize things that I was saying in subtext because they weren't caught, right? <laughs> so like if I'm in a scene with um, another, for example, I, I have an example of this. When Mars Timms and Gregory Holliman came to Sarasota for the first time, um, I got put in a show with them and it was at that moment that I realized, oh, I have been playing with white people this entire time because mm. I had so much fun and our comedy was just so different <laughs> than the comedy that I'm used to playing. It was physical. It was much more physical. It was much more, um, not slapstick, but it was just like stupid funny Mm -hmm. i was having such a good time versus what i'm playing in a mostly white cast Mm -hmm. to a mostly white audience it's like oh we're smart and Mm -hmm. funny Mm -hmm. you know um not that it was it wasn't a smart show when i played with them for the first time but it just felt like freer like i didn't feel like i had to really show them how smart i really am i could just be as smart as i am yes so so you know it's it's and being somebody whose first language was not English, mm-hmm. that's particularly difficult for me mm-hmm. when I'm in a white show. Like I have to really have a have a a grasp of what I'm trying to say in thought and translating from Spanish on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Mm-hmm. So the yeah, gymnastics I was okay, that but, happens. Ooh. Yeah. I was okay. Yeah. If Elise was up there on stage with a bunch of white people, I was okay, but but I wasn't great. I, I wasn't what I could be. <laughs> nah, not at all. Nowhere near. Not as much trust has been built and it and has been no intention to build it to the full capacity. There may yeah. be trust in Elise, but Elise doesn't have trust in them. You know, simply 
because you have to code switch hard. It's not that you just don't think they don't understand. They don't, you can't trust them. It's like you know they don't know. So mm. you have to you have to play. You know, not that you play small, but you have to play, and you have to make offers and choices. Play that, their game. Yeah. Play their game. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be. That could take the wind out of anybody's sail on any given the day, you know, like given the day. That could be the thing that. Mm, yeah, yeah. Damn. When when we're supposed to go to these groups and we know it's going to be guaranteed a spot of joy all the time. We love as uh, to think that, too. But it ain't the case with BIPOC folks. We still be like, well, what kind of whiteness we gonna get, though, today? Because sometimes it's a great <laughs> time. But we're also like, oh, somebody might. Just do that right, that wrong thing, man. Do you have, uh, do you have white people now who do improv who are like shit? God damn it, damn it, man. You know what? This is unacceptable. Shit, stub my toe on racism, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because here at our theater, Will Luera is the director of improvisation, so he. We, I don't have a white person as my director here. Um, I would say that the here's here's what the people that I feel like needed to hear this information. I can see the white fragility uh, to the point that it there hasn't been a lot of, and not that I need you to come groveling to me and be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But it, there has been a lot of like, I'm really just listening right now because I'm just in a space of listening. Mm -hmm. Like you're listening because you're protecting yourself because you don't want to fucking say anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what I hear you say right now. Yeah. Um, You've been listening for a while now, haven't you? Okay. Uh, yeah. And yet again, I am not like another thing is that I am not a black man. And this year has been so very focused, rightfully yeah, so, on yeah. the black community. So uh, it's almost yeah. like to me, when I've spoken in some of these forums that I've been in on EDI and inclusion and, and being a, you know, BIPOC and a person of, like a woman um, uh, that's a Latinx woman, um, it's almost like, why are you talking? Like, this is not uh, about you. Really? Which a lot of it is not about me. Of course not. But I'm talking about just inclusion in general. I'm talking about people of color. I'm talking about mm. being a, a Latin American woman, not Latin American, a Cuban woman uh, in a space that is white mm -hmm. so i've seen i've seen things like that but it has not been said to me directly mm. uh, but i but i have experienced a little bit of that because i've mm. i've had a lot to say because mm. i've had a lot to say for a long time i just didn't have the forum to do it yeah yeah wow so, what a new world what a new paradigm damn yeah who would have thought i'm so happy this happened in a, in a way because that shift this paradigm shift for me, it's happened a while ago. Like, you know, like I got a Black and Funny Festival. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot that we did here in the Twin Cities to make it so we can feel comfortable talking as BIPOC people. And white people mm -hmm. did a lot of work here, too, to, you know, check other white people who, you know, were, were, were setting people back. And, and those white people, either they changed and adapted or they are no longer here. Um, yeah. And that's that has been really, you know, if I'm gonna appreciate the something about this, it's it's the fact that I've 
now witness that on a, on a worldwide level, which is so cool. Like what I've mm-hmm. experienced here, I'm seeing you have the the similar like you know patterns, and you're watching white people disappear, or you're watching white people step up and be mm-hmm. you know a really good advocate and ally and. Uh, you know, there's some real solidarity for like this important work. And I think that's what makes a difference in terms of we were talking earlier about the hiring, uh, hiring for positions, management positions, hiring BIPOC individuals for management positions. Like that's why I'm not suspect mm-hmm. about huge theater when John Kibitatios becomes the executive director. Mm-hmm. I'm not suspect about that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not suspect that I will do a wrong thing. You're not suspect of the huge and the white people. I'm not suspect of why they're doing it. Yep. Because they've been doing it for a while. And I know that they have the infrastructure to to, to actually activate that. Right. The purpose of that. Now, when I see other theaters that have not don't have that history that they're just like, Oh, we're going to put somebody here now. Yeah. It concerns me in the sense of, but do you have the infrastructure to sustain that and to actually give that the power that it needs? Yeah. Like, okay, good. Right. Good point. We bring up an improv news. We have a new Mm -hmm. uh, manager of second city worldwide, who is a black man named John Carr, very talented coming out of dad's garage uh, as the artistic director there and now hired by a second city. Um, Second City company has been around here for a long time. I don't know, 60 All something. the people you know All that are famous <laughs> from improv, that's they right. came right out of Second City. That is that is the story they tell. That is the marketing line. That is what we love to tell people. Now, yeah. what we're talking about is this moment where companies, not only, not only do we not trust Second City, they, they have been printed in many a newspaper and many articles this summer speaking to all of their history of not being inclusive and actually actually being racist and you know they just have they have a real historic accounts and evidence to back up their fuck shit uh and it's <laughs> it's it's the other conversation as well great you Hire John Carr. Another thing got nothing to do with John Carr in terms of like what he wants to do with his career. I think that's great. I say mm-hmm. this is a, a good look. This is a win for everybody. Honestly, yeah. It's yeah. just we can't we cannot also feel the sense of like, damn man, we don't trust you yet though, Second City. We don't know. We don't know you. Yeah. When what we do know of you, it ain't it ain't looking good. It ain't looking good. And it good. just looks like a performative uh, move. That's right. Yes. A virtual signal. Ha, no pun intended. Get it? Performing? <laughs> I'm in comedy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, it's a knee slapper. I'd slap my knee, but we don't We don't hit Toronto. But then I would get mad because I would have to cut it out of the audio. To, yeah. So don't, don't slap your knee. <laughs> I am air slapping my knee. No, I mean, this is hard to talk about. The the, the fact that we want to root and celebrate our folks who have successes. But, but when we also, in the same hand, look at the entire picture, that shit looks off. You break it down to a smaller, a, a simple, like a casting level on auditions happen. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, man, I'm about to get like cast for this one group. And, and you're excited as a BIPOC performer. Then you perform with them. You bring out your family and your fa- your friends come out, and they're like, "Yo, I didn't know you was gonna be the only motherfucker." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I didn't know this whole thing was white, John. Damn, man, I thought we was yeah. about to go see some stand up or something. But uh, it was cool what you did. Yeah, hello. you was funny. You was definitely funny. How many times have we as BIPOC people heard that after a show from our like BIPOC friends and family? They were like, "Yo, you was funny, no? You was funny. You were the funny one." <laughs> You were good. You was good. Yeah. No, the show was yeah. cool. The show was cool. I didn't even think of the shit until my black friend, she was like, what the fuck is this? We took a cast <laughs> holiday photo and I had, I just, you know, it was all white team. And I, I was just there playing with the little, little dog in the photo or something like that. <clears throat> and she was like, what? First off, I thought it was cute. And I thought this was like, oh, look, it's a cast holiday <laughs> photo. Da, 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 da. Hey, we were so happy. There was so much like serotonin happening and endorphins yeah. when we were like hanging out. A lot of laughs and bits. Motherfucker. No. When she saw that photo, she didn't see none of that shit. She didn't see the, <laughs> the trust like, that we had. I saw you. All the fa- yeah. She said, I saw your ass looking not safe, my friend. Hey, what's up with that dog? Why are you holding the dog? You know, like they be calling us dogs sometimes. And now you got to hold the dog in a holiday photo it's a holiday photo what the fuck is a holiday about here you look unsafe uncomfortable and i was like i don't know man if i don't in fact this i even look like the most in shape i've ever been i don't know what's good at. <laughs> i look me. great yeah my forearms are yeah um i felt it like everything the gravity everything the world all the, everything that i had in improv beforehand just shattered and it just became like oh shit yeah, and I hadn't gotten, I hadn't gotten that uh, perspective. This has to do with the fact that it historically, and it still happens to this day, people get cast or or people get put in these positions just to make a statement, just to mm-hmm. have the company say, "Hey, look at us, we're Walgreens. We've been hiring young Negroes since 1901." Come on by. I will never forget when I got called in to a callback for a role that I had never auditioned for. Um, and I got called in for a callback at a local theater. And they they were like, come in. We're calling you back for this role for this show that's coming up. I'm like, okay. I did an audition for it, but sure, why not? I came in. <laughs> and I step into the room and they're like, okay, can you do this in a Cockney accent? I'm like... Do I look to you like I'm gonna fucking like I'm a yeah. motherfucking cockney uh, accent person? Yeah, it didn't have it on my resume. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then, of course, I did not get the role. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, when I was at the audition, I was like, yeah, I could do cockney if you tell me how to do it. Then yeah, I could imitate it for yeah. sure. Because yeah. it was a role that was gonna be five characters, so um, they wanted, I guess, one or two of the characters to speak in a cockney accent. And I was like, yeah, for sure, I can do it. I'm just. You have to coach me through it, but I can do it. I didn't get cast for the role. And then I got an email from the director saying, I thought your audition was great. Um, You know, I want want to make sure that I keep calling you back. I want to work with actors of your kind. Oh, that's the title of the episode. So uh, in in closing... uh, Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Happy holidays. But don't take a picture of me when I'm laughing. That's right. <laughs> Not this year. Yeah. Ain't nothing to cheese about. Cheese. Yeah. Happy holidays, you guys. 
Um, this has been a sad episode brought to you by Elite. You cut all that out. Oh, man. It's been a sad episode. <laughs> it's been a sad episode. Man. But, uh. But it's real. That's all we got. That's all we got today. Mm-hmm.